All right. I'm, oh, there we are. All right. Well, so uh, Kingdom Club. So if you are age two to second grade, go on back there. They're waiting for you back there for Kingdom Club. Uh, and you're welcome to go. And I know you're excited to go. And, and hopefully your parents are as well. So parents, uh, since we're not having a song service following like we usually do, after we're done and we dismiss, you can go back there and pick up your kids uh, at the desk from Kingdom Club. Uh, when we're done so uh, glad to have that going and my wife is back there helping and Caleb's wife Taylor is back there we've, we've got plenty of help back there today so we're excited about that um, welcome visitors so we we had an 830 service a little bit smaller in number than normal uh, we have this 1030 service we have our online group we're glad that you're with us uh, visitors we have visitors here this morning and and one of the things that's nice to see from people is that uh, because of COVID and different things, it, you never know who you're going to see. We're always, we always have visitors, which is good. Uh, and then, you know, as people get vaccinated and stuff, people come in and you say, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. So it's always nice to be here and, and it's great to be here with you this morning. I found out Thursday evening that I was going to preach this morning. Um, and, and I played pickleball with, with uh, Phil Thompson Thursday evening. Uh, and if, if you don't know about pickleball, it's a sport that only the elite athletes can play, all right? See, some of you know, some of you know. So we played pickleball, and then I told Phil, I said, all right, I got to get going. I got to preach. I got to prepare uh, a lesson. He said, well, I'm sure you have a sermon packed and ready to go, right? I said, well, yeah, I got hundreds of them, but I, I've never preached the same sermon twice. Uh, and Phil replied, you've probably never had one good enough to repeat, you know? <laughs> so, no, I... I'm kind of throwing him under the bus. He, you know, Phil, you know he could have said that. He probably thought that, but he didn't. He didn't say that. He was, he was very polite. But there's something to me, and I was trying to explain this to him. I feel like the Spirit should be teaching me, should be, I should be learning something. And so if I preach a sermon that I preached, say, somewhere else years past, I don't know if it would come off the same. I don't feel as good about doing it. And hopefully God is telling me something that is more appropriate to this audience this week. Uh, and so we're in this series on the Spirit. And so my, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll get to my daily quiet time in a minute. So uh, I'm not sure that Jesus taught in sermons um, as, we're think, as I think about preparing a sermon. We say the Sermon on the Mount, but I think we just call it that because we're used to using that vocabulary. I'm not sure he taught in sermons. He taught, but I don't think it's the same as what we do today. Uh, and I asked Caleb, I said, he's our resident historian, maybe, you know, find out when sermons started or when we first called it sermons or when in religious tradition that kind of caught on. Um, but that, that being said, Jesus didn't do it. I'm going to have two sermons for you today. So uh, the first one is very short, and it is one that if you are here today and you are worried or anxious about anything at all, nervous about anything, living on edge about anything at all, this is the right place for you to be. Because you are in the presence of a God who loves you, and you are with brothers and sisters who love each other, and there is no better place to be than that. Uh, we need each other, and we are all in this together. The last 13 months has been hard for some. Uh, it's been up and down, right? The last week or two has been hard for some, up and down. Uh, but thank you for persevering. Thank you for your patience. Uh, and and I, I will just say God is still on his throne. Jesus is still Lord. 
and the Holy Spirit is still active. If we haven't learned anything in the last five months, hopefully we have learned that, that the Holy Spirit is still active in our lives today. Before I continue, I want to pray. One of the great joys in my life is praying together with people. So let's do that right now. Let's pray. Father, we are mindful of the way that you are working in our lives, and we, we just appreciate so much your love and grace toward us, uh, the fact that you put us in a family of brothers and sisters to help and encourage us. Father, I, I pray for our 830 assembly, this 1030 group, our group online. Pray for our missionaries. Uh, Father, I pray for the other churches in the community, uh, other believers. Uh, we are all better as one. Um, you, Jesus said that. Uh, Father, we need to act that way. Uh, and so I pray for them, that you will bless them, that you will work through them. Father, I pray the same prayer for us, that you will work through this congregation. I pray this morning that you will speak, uh, that you will speak to our hearts, that they will hear your voice that they will for, and your words, and that they will forget my words. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, sermon number two. So um, in Matthew chapter four and in Luke chapter four, you have the story of Jesus going out, praying, fasting, and it says that he came back to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Uh, so that's not our text this morning, but I, I just, I think about that. Jesus in the power of the Spirit. I believe that, I would express two things this morning. I would say that Jesus is our best example of being filled with the Spirit, of what it means to be filled with the Spirit, and that we need to be filled with the Spirit in order to act like Jesus every day. So uh, I, as a part of my daily quiet time, I've been using the YouVersion Bible app as a tool, and on there there's a thing called One Year Through the Bible with Nicky Gumbel. I don't know who Nicky Gumbel is, but he has some devotional thoughts and some scriptures from Old and New Testament that I just read every day, and it kind of tells me what to read every day. It's been good. And earlier this week, I was reading through uh, the last half of Luke chapter 10, the beginning of Luke chapter 11, and that's what I felt like I should share this morning, the thoughts that I had of that. I had kind of jotted them down for my own personal benefit, and I thought, you know, I think it would be good for us to share, for me to share here this morning. And there's three events in the last half of chapter 10, the very beginning of chapter 11, three events in Jesus's life that show his priorities, what he's focused on. And I believe that if we focus on the same things that Jesus was focused on, then we're going to enjoy that filling of the spirit that he enjoyed. And then we will be a light to our world around us the way he was as well. So the first uh, I'm going to start with the middle story. So Luke chapter 10, verse 38. So the first one of the three events we're going to look at, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Let's read this together. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing 
worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. You know this story probably, but it's a good reminder for us. So, you know, you always wonder, why didn't Martha just go to Mary and say, hey, why don't you help me? Instead of going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, tell her to help me. That's, that's probably what she should have done. Maybe she tried, and Mary said, no, I'm going to pay attention to Jesus. But did you notice verse 42? There is only one thing that's worth being concerned about. Those are Jesus' words. There's only one thing that's worth being concerned about, and that is sitting at his feet and listening to him and learning from him. Uh, there, we can get worried and distracted. Mary, Mary, Martha, was distracted by this big dinner preparations. We can get distracted by a lot of things. Okay, we can get distracted by our work, our jobs, right? It's a responsibility. Uh, if we as Christians, we want to do our responsibility well. We want to do the best job we can at our work. And so we can get distracted by what's going on at work and what's happening there. We can get distracted at home. You know, I've never figured out how, no matter what's going on in my life, the garbage still has to be taken out. Dishes still have to be done. Cooking still has to be done. Uh, yard work still. I haven't mowed my grass yet, but I've, I've, it's on, I've got to do it tomorrow. Tomorrow's my day off. I've got to do it tomorrow, okay? So that stuff still has to be done. So we can get focused on those things rather than sitting at the feet of Jesus. We can even get focused on, uh, you know, financial worries. We've got to pay the bills. We've got to do our taxes. We've got all this kind of stuff. There's all kinds of things that can distract us in our life. Uh, church, our nation, we can get worried and upset about what we think might happen at church or what we think might happen in our nation or what is happening in our nation and we can get worried and distracted about those things and if we are distracted by those things then we're like Martha we're worried and upset over these things and they're not unimportant but they are not most important there's only one thing worth being concerned about and Jesus said that is sitting at my feet and listening to me and learning from me All right, so we go back to the first story. So back earlier in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, Jesus kind of teaches these lessons and answers these questions uh, that kind of show what his priorities are. So in in verse 25 through 29, we're going to... No, I don't have this on the slide. So you can follow along in your Bible or you can just listen to me as I read it. Luke chapter 10, 25 through 29. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, very important question, right? If you don't know the answer to that question, what should I do to inherit eternal life, then you need to find out, all right? Come see me afterwards. We'll, we can settle that pretty quick, all right? But this is a very important question from a religious expert. I love the way Jesus responded because Jesus answered his question with a question. He said, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Man's kind of, he's looking for some limited liability here. I think he's, he's got this 
following the word down, knowing the, remember he's a religious expert, but in loving, so loving God, he feels like he's okay with. Loving his neighbor, he probably feels a little weak on. So he's like, all right, so who is my neighbor? How, how can I limit my liability here? And he's asking that question. So his questions bookend the responses by Jesus. Actually, it's the expert. Jesus asked him the question, how do you read it? And Jesus said, that's right, do this and you'll live. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. All right. Then he asks this question, who is my neighbor? And Jesus responds to that question with a story. The story of the Good Samaritan. If you haven't heard the story, you can read it in verses 30 through 37. I'm going to summarize it for you. Jesus tells this story to answer his question, who is my neighbor? There's a man, a Jewish man, who's walking, traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's going along the road, and injustice happens. Bandits beat him up and leave him half dead beside the road. And then Jesus talks about three visitors, three other travelers who come by. The first one, he says, is a priest. So here's a religious man, a priest, uh, and he comes by. He sees what's going on, but he passes by on the other side of the road. The second guy, another religious person a temple assistant a levite he's the one that kind of helps with worship service he sees him he passes by on the other side and then Jesus says the third guy that comes by is a despised samaritan this the history between samaritans and jews is awful it is not an overstatement to say they hated each other they just didn't get along and haven't gotten along for many, many years, many generations. There's just hatred between them, and they just, all they try to do is stay away from each other. You know, people will travel way around Samaria so they don't have to go through the Jews would, or, or vice versa. So there's hatred between them. And Jesus says, this is the third man, a despised Samaritan. He sees the Jewish man half dead, and what does he do? It says he has compassion on him. And because he has compassion on him, he helps him. He bandages his wound. He lets him ride on his donkey. He takes him to the hotel. He continues to take care of him there. Then he pays the man, stays the night, pays the man the next day and says, if you have anything more, I'll come back and I will repay you. He goes out of his way. He doesn't have to do it. I mean, he's probably traveling too. So part of this story, a story of injustice, I, I think that, when we think about these things and when we think about helping others and we think about stopping injustice or helping when we see injustice, uh, we think we've got some excuses. But, so it's a story of injustice. And then the religious people in the story aren't any help. So the priest and the Levite, the temple assistant, they're not any help. And my question is why? If someone is in need, if injustice occurs, then why would the religious people, you and me, right? Why would we not be any help? But in the story, that's what it was. Um, and so I start thinking of these excuses. And in, in, in this parable I heard growing up, this story of the Good Samaritan, and I hear people explaining, well, this is probably what the Levite was thinking. This is probably what the priest was thinking. And, you know, they've got all kinds of reasons. I think it comes down to maybe three basic excuses that they had. One is that they may have been too busy. Hey, I'm traveling. 
I've, I've got to get to my destination. I don't have time to stop and help this guy. Uh, and yet the correct answer is there's an injustice that has occurred. Some uh, other person's needs should come first. That means I should drop whatever I'm doing. It doesn't matter how busy I am. I should stop what I'm doing because there is someone right here in need. First two guys didn't do that. Secondly, we may say we don't have the means. I don't know how to help. I, don't, I can't help. I don't have the money to help. I, I, we're never told that this Samaritan man was wealthy. The money that he paid the hotel owner may have been his last dime. But what? He's, he's doing it because there's someone in need right then. And he said, I'll, I'll go, I'll come back. I'll pay. He's trusting God to provide for him, right? Our God has the means. If we see someone in need, we better not think, oh, I'm not sure I can help. I, 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 that may leave me too short. That, that's not trusting in God, and that's the wrong thing to do. And then third, this is a big one. This is the one I always heard when I was younger, uh, that these guys would come and they're thinking, maybe these bandits are still here. And so I need to hurry on the way so I don't get beat up and left half dead. You know, so there's a risk. We don't want to take the risk. And I, I, you know, our God is almighty. Our God is our protector. And I hate that because I, here's this story Jesus is telling. The religious people should be the ones to help. And they don't. And if they're afraid that something's going to happen to them, then they choose not to. And I'm just thinking... That shouldn't be in our minds. Amen. It should just be, here's someone in need. There's an injustice that has occurred. I have to do something about it. It's kind of this do the right thing, right? It's, it's not to ask, we, we can't ask ourselves a question, well, you know, is this going to hurt me? Uh, we can't ask the question, is this worth my time? Uh, we can't ask the question, I don't know if any fruit will come from this. It doesn't matter. That's up to God, right? We trust God, we do that. There's someone in need and justice has occurred. It doesn't matter who they are. That's part of the message that Jesus was giving by saying a despised Samaritan is the one who helped. Because then he says at the end, who was the one who helped, who loved his neighbor? And they, you know, they don't want to say the Samaritan, but they say the one who showed him mercy, who did all these things. That's what Jesus is saying. Um, here a couple of weeks ago, we got an email staff at woodburychurch.org you know somebody just sent us an email and it, somebody was a, a young man was expressing some needs he had his needs did not involve money they involved some other things and uh, so I called him uh, I called him a couple of times I sent him text messages I actually have met with him a couple of times uh, and one of the times I met with him I asked him I said how did you contact Woodbury Church what made you you know I was just kind of curious what made you contact us for help and he shared with me he said I actually sent several emails to several of the churches in the area and he said you guys were the only ones that responded well praise God that he's bringing us together but I, I just think why didn't he get a response for every single one he sent out why isn't the church the religious people looking to help people are we just passing by on the other side worried about our own things we've got our own excuses I don't um, what risk is it to me I don't know if I have the means I don't know how to it does none of that matters that's what we're about it doesn't matter who they are or what their situation is we 
are the people of God. We're the church. We need to be helping. All right, the last story in this passage is at the beginning of Luke chapter 11. And this is the Lord's Prayer. This, this is Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus had prayer as a priority in his life. You read through the Gospels, he would get up early. It would say before the sun came up, while it was still dark, he would go out and pray. Disciples would be looking for him. People of the town would be looking for him. Where are you? That's especially in Mark chapter 1. But Jesus says, you know, I've got to spend time with my father. This is what I'm about. Uh, he would pray in the garden, right? He would go regularly, as usual, some of the versions say, he would go out to the garden to pray. This was prayer was a priority for Jesus. Luke chapter 11, let's read it together, the first four verses. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom be come soon give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation what's Jesus teaching through this Lord's Prayer he's teaching them about a relationship with a God who's not just a powerful God that doesn't care about you he's a powerful God that you can call father because he loves you as his children. If you go on and read past this, verses 5 through 13, you know, Jesus tells more stories about persevering in prayer. Uh, and at the very end in verse 13, and Patrick said this a few weeks ago, maybe I did too even before that, but, but Jesus, he's talking about prayer and he's talking about persevering and he's talking about a father, God, giving good gifts to the chil his children that he loves. And then he says, and how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So all this teaching about prayer and about perseverance, he kind of sums it up by saying, God will give you his spirit. He will fill you with his spirit if you ask him. And again, this is what I think we need more than anything. This is what Jesus is the best example of. And without that, that we're powerless. Sometimes we get moving too fast. Sometimes we leave those things out. We don't spend time at the feet of Jesus. We don't help others in need. We're too busy. We've got things to do. Uh, and maybe we don't spend time in prayer. Uh, and so we're, we're going through our lives, but we're not working in the power of the Spirit, moving too fast. Uh, an illustration. Here's a picture of a, an airplane. This is, I, I'm, I mistakenly said F-11, which I had in my notes right, Daryl. This is Daryl's a big Navy guy. He knows. This is an F-111. Uh, they called it the F-111 Tiger. It was the plane that was the top plane uh, for the Navy in like the 50s and 60s. Uh, they had, you know, kind of souped up the other ones. And, and Grumman was actually making this. I have a Grumman, but mine's a canoe, all right? Mine's, a, mine's it, I love it. And it was probably made about the same time that this plane was, probably in the 50s or 60s. But it's still in great shape as far as, the aluminum, good canoe. All right, so Grumman makes this airplane. There's one thing that the Blue Angels flew this airplane when they fly. So if you've ever seen the Blue Angels, I've seen them on TV, that's all. They, I mean, it's amazing what they can do in these things, right? Uh, and then here, the last picture of the F-111, uh, this is it. it see, there's one other thing that this plane was known for. This is the only plane that has been known to have shot itself down. 
September 21st, 1956, during a test firing of its 20 millimeter cannons, pilot Tom Attridge fired two bursts midway through a shallow dive. And as the trajectory of the cannon rounds decayed, they ultimately crossed paths with the Tiger as it continued its descent, disabling it, forcing Attridge to crash land the aircraft. He did survive. The way I read it in another story was that the plane is traveling at supersonic speed. The cannons fire at a subsonic speed, so it kind of got ahead of itself. And then its descent, and as it slowed, then the cannons catch up and actually hit. The, the same cannons that it fired actually ended up hitting itself later in the flight and crash landing. Um, I, it's an illustration to say sometimes I think we get ahead of ourselves and sometimes we're moving too fast and it can destroy us. It, it, it can it's a detriment to our lives as Christians. If we're moving so fast that we're not following these priorities that Jesus did, the spending time in prayer, helping others when you see need, helping in justice, being filled with the Spirit, loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, if, if we're not doing those things, then we're just, we're just living, but we're not living a life filled with the Spirit. We're not being a light. We're not being an influence. The middle of Luke 10 started with this religious expert stating what Jesus had previously said are the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's not just about laws, it's about a relationship. Our relationship with God defines our relationship with others. I don't know if you've thought about that. In other words, this can happen in a couple of different ways. If you're living your life as a religious expert, and you have become prideful in the rules that you have followed in your life, that's your relationship with God. Your relationship with others is going to be prideful. If, on the other hand, your relationship with God the Father is based on humility, is based on the fact that you are so thankful for God's forgiveness and His grace toward you, then your life with others, your relationship with others, is going to be defined in that same way. One of humility, one of forgiveness, one of grace toward others. Our relationship with God defines our relationship with others in one or two different ways as, as believers. <clears throat> so, by way of application, I've got these three points. Uh, first one, are you spending time in his presence each day every day are you spending time at Jesus's feet are you in the word are you uh, acting on injustice when you see it that's what we should be about and it doesn't matter what the excuses are if you think you can't help God will take care of those things and the third thing is are you praying asking God to lead you to work in your life Jesus did that if we follow those same priorities, we're going to be filled with spirit. We're going to be living life in that same way. God will work through us, work in the same way.
But we've got, we've got to live our life that way. We've got to prioritize that way. And we've got to ask God. Otherwise, he'll let us just live our life the way we want without that power. Uh, Jesus made time for God. Our life as light and influence hinges on being filled with the Spirit the way Jesus was. Jesus loved everyone. And it didn't matter... It didn't matter who he was. It didn't matter who they were. It didn't matter what he was doing and, or what they had been doing. He met them on their turf. He gave them grace. May these things be our priorities as well. Love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. Love our neighbor as ourself. Live our lives to be filled with the Spirit by praying, by getting into the Word, by stopping injustice or helping when others are in need, if somebody is in need, we stop what we're doing and fill their need. Amen. Let's pray. God, we are blessed to be your children. We are very thankful for how you have worked in our lives, thankful for the salvation that is ours through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Father, may we each day Make sure that we are spending time in your presence, spending time at Jesus' feet, asking you to lead our lives, to guide us, not let us yield to temptation, that we will forgive others as you have forgiven us. Father, I pray that you will be glorified in this. Uh, I pray that people will come together in unity as you desire. And that we will help. Stop. Injustice is always going to be with us. The poor are always going to be with us. Your scriptures say that. And yet we can help and we should. May we do that here at this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being here. You're dismissed. Parents, you can go pick up your kids at your leisure at the table.